won't take up a whole lot of time this morning. Um, we're we're going to spend about 15, 20 minutes in the Word. Uh, we have to get in and out because uh, Lakeland Harley-Davidson is cooking burgers. So if I could get there, that'd be good. So everyone listen up so I can get through this. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I see we haven't turned our clock back forward yet. So actually I have an hour and 20 minutes. So... So it's ironic that uh, this morning we talked about, or Mike, Pastor Michael was talking about, uh, about heaven, uh, and, um, and, and the choir sounded amazing today. The choir, uh, the, the, the song kind of fit right in, uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we've also, we're also in the process of building a brand new praise team. How are they doing? All right. Uh, but, but so when I, when I, talk to Pastor Michael throughout the week and when I talk with Carolyn, we don't normally ask each other, hey, what are you doing? What are you going to share? We kind of we let things go as they are. And it's, it's really incredible to me how, how the things that Michael was talking about and the, thing, the, the, the song that the choir sang kind of goes in line with what I want to share today. So we talked about this, you know, descriptions, what would heaven look like. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about hell this morning. See how great that fits? No. So um, I, I wasn't raised in a church, but uh, when I started going to, to church, I went to Baptist churches. And, uh, and just a side note for those of you that, that don't know me yet, uh, all sorts of crazy things can get people to come to church. I never, ever thought I would be a pastor. Pastor Bob never thought I'd be a good pastor, and he's still right. But... I started going to church because the Baptist churches did fried chicken on one Sunday a month. And there were four Baptist churches in my town. So I had fried chicken every weekend. It was free meals. And then I started learning about Jesus and how important that was. And it's interesting how a bucket of chicken can introduce someone to Christ, but anything could happen. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, too. Yes, indeed. So, but I'm singling out the Baptist because I grew up as a Baptist, so I can pick on myself a little bit. But you hear this, Baptists and Pentecostals alike, they talk about hell as fire and brimstone, and you got to get your act right. you got to get squared away. If you don't, you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn for eternity. Who's heard that? Yes. Okay, so I have a different side of hell that I want to talk about, and I actually want to talk a little bit about Jesus, and we know, uh, or many, many think that, uh, many, many think that Jesus himself went to hell after he died on the cross. We'll talk about that as well. But first, let's jump in. Uh, I want to go into Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Acts chapter 2, verse 27. This, by the way, as you're finding your place, is the first sermon ever given by a Christian. First sermon ever given by a Christian. Now, Peter, in verse 27, is quoting King David, which happens to be also a prophet. We'll talk about that later. Acts 27, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your holy ones see decay. Let me read that once more. David is calling out, Peter is quoting this, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the word today. 
We honor your word. We honor you, Lord. Let everything that leaves my mouth be of you and not of myself. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Remy, you're doing great. Keep it up. All right, so this is Peter quoting David. David prophesies of Jesus, and he was comforted knowing that when he himself died, the bondages of hell would not keep him. Interestingly enough, David lived a thousand years before Jesus was around. And this is not the subject of this conversation today, but it's interesting to have conversations with people that maybe don't believe or are struggling to believe to consider the fact that the Bible is written, it's 66 books in three different languages over the span of thousands and thousands of years. And, and, and by the way, no internet, no Facebook, but a thousand years later, a thousand and some change, Peter is quoting King David, a prophecy about Jesus before David had any idea Jesus would be in existence. So let's, let's not go down that line. Let's not try to prove the Bible because most of us are here because we believe and, we're, we, and we live a life of faith. So we're not going to dig into that. But it's an interesting concept to think. Several, several thousands and thousands of years, three different languages, 66 books of the Bible, over a span, over a span of an untold amount of miles. But anyway, let's, let's get away from that and let's go into Ephesians. So as you turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read their verses 7 through 10. As we're turning to that, consider, consider that David is calling out and saying, you will not leave me, you will not forsake me, I will not, I will not be dead, but I will live. Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. All right, this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. The measure of this scripture seems to indicate that uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he went to hell. Not to be too confusing, the King James Version mentions hell, but some of the original text mentions Hades. I don't know if you know the difference between Hades and hell. Uh, as a matter of fact, John Wesley had a good analogy of it. Hades being the 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 uh, the place. Uh, what what did he say? Almost an intermediary place, but not yeah. So it's like the holding place of souls. All right, but hell was a holding place of the damned. So there's a difference between Hades and hell. Again, as for another lesson, ask Pastor Bob. He'll teach you. Uh, after all, in 1 Peter, we see that Jesus went to free the captives in Hades, or went down to free the captives. All right, 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19. For Christ also suffered once, suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. So every indication thus far, Jesus died on the cross and he went into the depths of the earth and he freed the captives and then he rose again. Now, here's an interesting thing because others argue that no, 
Jesus did not go to hell. Okay? Some argue that Jesus, in fact, uh, um, uh, did not go to hell. If we were to look at Luke 23 to 43, Jesus was referring to the thief on the cross that died, uh, that died with him. You know, there were two thieves, one to his left, one to his right. One was blaspheming Jesus. The other one was saying, uh, was saying uh, please forgive me. I want to go with you. I believe in you. I have faith in you. Uh, Jesus, you are the Messiah, right? So, so in response to that, Jesus answered him, and he said, uh, 43, Truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. I'm sorry. Truly I tell you, today you will be in paradise. All right. So I'm confusing you on purpose. So how can Jesus go to hell and spend some time there and then, and then free the captives and come up, but also tell the man on the cross that today you will be in paradise? Okay. This is for a Bible study of another time. However, for the record, I think Jesus did spend time in hell to free the captives. Who were the captives? This is the important message of grace here. The captives are the Adam and Eve. The captives are David. The captives are Abraham. Why is this? Well, the very, the very reason that Jesus split time was the Old Testament was to show us the Old Testament was to show us the sanctification of God in that we with our works could not make it to heaven. So Jesus had to come and show grace and take the sin of the world. And through our belief in Jesus, we we're, able to, we're able to see heaven. But what about all of those from the Old Testament? Well, those are, those are what we would consider captives of the world. Now, did Abraham, and, uh, did Abraham and, and Adam and Eve, were they just sitting there and tormented for years and years and hundreds and thousands of years? No, time doesn't pass that way. As a matter of fact, when we go to meet our loved ones that are in heaven, it will be as to them like they just arrived. So there's a different concept of time. But Jesus, in fact, I believe, went down into the depths of the earth and he freed those captive souls and he brought them up. I also think that he made a victory lap while he was down there and said, ha ha, Satan, I told you so. But, you know, that's, that's my Jesus. Okay? Now, on the cross, he dies, he goes to hell. I think Jesus experienced hell before he actually walked those planes. And, and, and let me share you, with you what I mean. So I don't, want, I don't want anyone to have ever lost a child, but let's say you're going to Disneyland and you immediately lose your kids, maybe your teenagers, and you're on the hunt to go find them. So you walk through Disneyland or you walk through Six Flags and you're on a mission to go get your children. You've walked through Six Flags, but because of your mission, you did not experience Six Flags, okay? But then when you go back and there's not a purpose, there's not a drive, and you walk through those gates and you get to see the roller coasters and the, and the food and the, the Mickey Mouses and all of this stuff, then you begin to experience it. I believe that Jesus experienced hell before he went into hell. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, uh, Eli, Eli, lima sebachnani. I probably butchered that, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why do you think Jesus, that is 100% man and 100% God, needs to cry out to his God, to cry out to God and say, why have you forsaken me? This is the moment I think that Jesus experienced hell and it scared him a little. Now, don't run away from me yet, all right? I know the idea of Jesus being scared, that sounds like an impossibility, and I don't think he was really scared, but I think it was, I think there was something very unexpected that happened. Almost like when, you, when you're going to the doctor and you need to get a shot, as we're kids. We know we got to get it, but when that, breaks, when that breaks the arm, when that breaks the skin, oh gosh, that, okay, all right? So I think for a brief moment, that feeling was there, and it makes me wonder where is where is there's another perception of hell. At that moment, at that moment, God had to separate himself from Jesus. Now, 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 why is that? Why is that separation there? Uh, we know in Habakkuk, and we know throughout the Bible that God chooses or cannot be present in the face of sin. Does that mean he turns us back on sinners? No, but because of the righteousness of God, light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. So at that moment, as Jesus took on the sin of the world, for that one moment in his life, all of our sins were on his shoulders. And God could not look upon Jesus. And at that moment in time, before he passed, he was just a man bearing the weight of the sin of the world. Which would cause him, his entire life, he walked in lockstep with God because he was God. But in that moment of time, the weight and the treachery of the sin of the world prevented God from looking upon him because light and darkness cannot exist together. When I was a, when I was a, a very, very young child, I would sneak into my parents' room and I would go sleep on the floor. And it was very uncomfortable and it was very dark. And we had dogs that smelled sometimes. But I was comfortable just knowing that my parents were there. As a matter of fact, I grew up in Louisiana and we did some frogging. You guys ever did frogging? Where you go out in a boat with a spotlight, frogs come up, you blind them with a light, you smack them in the head, you take them home and eat them? All right, so I remember the first time I went frogging, I caught all these frogs, and I was with some friends at a neighbor's house, and I was so happy that I got this big bag of frogs, I wanted to tell my parents. But between, but between my house and their house was about 400 yards of gravel road and no street lights, and it was pitch dark, and I'm a big baby. But I didn't think about it, not one single time, because I knew I was going to my parents, and I didn't think about the darkness in the world. I thought about showing my parents the frogs. To the same instance where I spent so much time sleeping at the foot or the floor beside their bed because my parents' presence gave me peace and gave me comfort. The, the, the weight of everything in the world didn't matter as long as I was on the floor beside my parents'. 
Imagine Jesus walking in such confidence that he is of God and he is God, but then all of a sudden, his father went away and disappeared. He knew it had to come. He knew it was coming, but the absence of his father at that brief moment of time caused him to call out. I think we have an illustration. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but we have a picture, Julian. Uh, as a matter of fact, just before that, Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, uh, it says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing, referring to God's holiness and his inability to, to uh, and his inability or his unwillingness because of his righteousness to be in the presence of sin. There's a good illustration of that. And I know you guys have seen that. Jules, there's a picture I want you to bring up, please. Uh, and that's a picture of a match. And you notice there that the match stick is casting a shadow, but the, but the light that the match is emitting, there is no shadow behind it. It's a good worldly analogy of light and darkness cannot exist in the same space. Light washes away the darkness. So we see a light behind the match casting the shadow of the match, but we don't see a shadow from the light. It's just a neat, a neat little analogy. At that moment, Jesus was alone, and it startled him. We see this in our everyday lives as well. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, it says, But your inequities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Now I need you to understand, God's leaving us is not a punishment. This is not torture given to us by God. It's because of the purity of God, sin and God cannot occupy that same space. Light and dark cannot occupy the same space. It's the absence of light and darkness. And we see this in our everyday lives. And I want to briefly share with you, and I think I've got some pictures. This last week was an incredible week. I got to spend time uh, in Daytona. Uh, Ken had to work, and he couldn't go to Daytona, so we're not going to brag too much about that. Ken's a fellow motorcyclist. Uh, so, and we got, to, I got to see some really, really great things. There's a Harley dealership there. Uh, the next slide, I mean, we got to see a lot of different, uh, motorcycles. Well, that's sideways, uh, with a big wheel on the front. Go ahead, keep going. Uh, so I got to experience, this was fun. I was in, I was in the center field in these big suites in the middle of Daytona and the cars were racing around, around me. Uh, and we also had the opportunity to go and be on the track as well. But that was really neat. Uh, there's a handsome fella right there. That, that motorcycle's tilted over sideways and held up with sticks, so it looks like I'm racing, but I wasn't, right? So, so a lot of really neat things. There's the Harley-Davidson. So I got to experience these things, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, really, and I really enjoyed myself. But in the quiet of the night, I think, actually, there's some people that are so excited about going to Daytona, they don't even have a truck. Let me see if that next one is it. Where is that? Uh, nope, that's just another really cool bike. All right, keep going. There. Oh, look at that. That's the <laughs> so a lot of really cool things. All right, keep going. Keep going. That was neat. Now go back to that. Well, never mind. That was really neat. That's a trike. They, put, they, they made it to look like the back end of a, of a 63 Chevy, right? No, 68 Bel Air? 57. I'm so sorry. Boy, did I say a curse word. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
This guy right here was so excited about being in Daytona, he, he didn't care about uh, not having a truck, so he just strapped it to the top. Anyway, a lot of... <laughs> Uh, in truth, I think I found that on the internet. I didn't see that guy in Daytona, but that seems like the kind of person that would come. So I, so I had a really, really good time. Um, I had a really good time. But in, in the night, when everything kind of settled down, and I'm, I'm laying, uh, laying in bed, and I have, a, I have a friend with me that came along, um, and uh, I'm laying in bed, I'm thinking about the day, I'm reflecting about the day, uh, and I can't sleep. Uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't know if any of you have any friends when they snore. It sounds like an 18-wheeler downshifting. Right? So I had a little bit of trouble sleeping, but I was reflecting on the day and thinking about how much fun I had and how happy I was. But there seemed to be something missing. There seemed to be something not quite there. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but it kept me up a little bit. And I know I had a really good time, and I was really tired, but it was something, something, uh, something was missing. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. So then we go into another day, and this was neat. There's a place called Iron Horse Saloon, uh, and it looks like a scene from like um, Mad Max where there's this seating up in the air and there's a big dirt pit. I think we got a few pictures of that. There was, a, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. Cue that next slide. It was so great. Okay, so the, the, there was a concert there. Uh, just keep going through this quickly because the, the, the crux is not worth it. Look at all of these bikes. There's so many people there. There was a lot of food, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of alcohol too, but we won't talk about that. Um, so it a really, really good time. Now, at this moment, uh, at this moment, we had a good time. Um, I, I got full off of uh, fried Oreos and lemonade, Okay. Um, and at some point, um, at some point I left my friend there and I just decided to take a walk. I was having a good time and there was just kind of, there was just this, I don't know, not a, not an empty feeling because I was having a great time, but there was this, um, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. So I wanted to go take a walk. And as I'm taking a walk and as I'm taking a walk, I'm, um, I run across this man never met before. He's got one of those bob beards going on, okay? But he's got this big, big, huge wooden cross. And he's just like, I don't know, maybe half a mile from the saloon. And he's got this cross over his shoulder, and he's talking with people, and crowds of people are coming around him. And at that moment, of all of the fun stuff that I had, in that moment, I felt real, true joy. And I think there's a difference between happiness and joy, but I felt real, real joy. And while I wasn't necessarily uh, away, you know, sinning or living in the world, I was having experiences and I didn't put much thought towards, towards God and, and walking with Jesus. Not, we, we all do that, right? We all have work that we do. We all, you know, have family issues and we're not 100% of the time thinking about or working with or, or praying to God, right? Well, when I saw this, it reminded me of how much grace that Jesus has given me in my life. And I felt those pieces when I was sleeping that I was really happy, but there was something missing. Those pieces began to fill up. And for the first time I was in Daytona, I started to feel real joy, and I just didn't want to leave. And then the next day, we went back to, we went to the racetrack, 
and uh, my friends stayed. We, we paid this really expensive, uh, a pricey ticket, but we got to see all of this infield stuff and all of these, uh, we got to go into the pits and spend time on the track and there was a big parade. At some point, I, I left him there to go do that and I went to go find this, this other guy that was doing ministry on the street. I just wanted to be around that. I, I say that to say this. We can look, we can look at hell as as a fire, as a lake of fire, and somewhere where you're tormented and tortured. But I think the real, I think the real glimpse of hell is a, is a complete separation from all things good. And we know that all things good come from God. To me, that is scarier than me, to me than a lake of fire. Could you imagine existing in eternity without feeling love, without feeling goodness, without understanding what grace is. I think I would rather burn for a million years than have a separation of me from God. And that's exactly what that is. I had a very good time at Daytona, but what was missing in my life at that moment was that little bit of Jesus that I needed. I worked for several years. Uh, My mom, uh, I lost my mom to addiction. And I worked for several years uh, at, a, at a place that, that uh, ministers to people dealing with drug and alcohol addictions. And you would find people that would break free from it, and, uh, and uh, they would be good for a while, but they always seemed to go back to that drug of choice. They always seemed to go back to that thing. And before long, I realized that that addiction to, uh, occupied a space in their heart for so long that when they pulled that addiction and they were able to break free from that addiction for that period of time, they may have been free for that, but it left a hole in their heart. It left a space of unfilled joy. And we found the recipe for a, by the way, 70% success rate in this ministry. We found the recipe for that was, was to take that hole in their heart and fill that with the love of Jesus. And when the love of Jesus fills your heart to that degree and to that level, there is no more room for that addiction. And you can take that addiction and you can replace it to everyday life. You can replace it to to anything that you're battling in your life, anything that you may be addicted to. Hey, I'm a sodas kind of person, right? Whenever Whenever I'm in a bad mood or had a long day, it's easy for me to go grab a soda and drink a soda in front of the TV and gain 47 pounds, right? But when we take those parts of our life that we're struggling with and we, and, and we pray and we, we begin to bring an exit to that part of our life, then we have to fill that back up with prayer. and We have to fill that up with the love of God. Uh, if our praise team could come up, we're going to close. And it's important as we talk about, as we talked about what hell is and what hell really is, that separation from God I find myself at a place to where I don't have to be the person that makes a choice whether I'm going to go and ride motorcycles or if I'm going to go to church or if I'm going to go do this. I'm not, as a Christian, I'm not making a choice to, to give up the things that I like to follow a Jesus that I love. There's a way for Christ to live inside of us with everything that we do. And the things that we struggle with, the things that we can't handle on our own, Jesus can pull that 
and make us free from the things that we're suffering from. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend any time away from God. And I don't want to live a life that spends time, I don't want to live an eternity that's spending time away from God. I couldn't imagine not knowing what love was. So, as we're closing, I want to encourage anyone that is struggling with something, anyone that's dealing with something in their life, anyone that needs to bring something before God, we have the altars open. They're open every single Sunday. We don't always make a huge deal out of it, but it's important that we take this time and we consider that there are things in our lives that we need to work on and that there's a God that wants us to walk, help us walk through this. And he's always beside us. He's always with us. It's not too late. If we haven't realized the love of God and we need to accept Jesus into our lives, now's the time as good as any. Hey, what if I'm wrong? I'm not. But what if I'm wrong? What if God doesn't exist? What if Jesus isn't real? Well, then the worst thing that you could do is just be a good person. But what if I'm right? And we live a life of good deeds and just being decent people. And then we, and we miss the opportunity to accept the one that created us. And what if I'm right? And we could be missing out on something really, really incredible. So, I'd like to uh, close us in prayer and um, just take this time to reflect on what God means to you. As we approach Easter, I want to see this church fill up a little more, a little more, a little more. And as we remember a man that walked on this earth, knew what he had to do, took his stripes, and he did it because of his love for us. And by the way, other religions, almost every other religion acknowledged there was a Jesus and he was punished. Things kind of just break up from there. But this man had the power to break time in half. And we have the opportunity to walk with him and allow him to live within us. So as I pray, if there's a need that you have, bring it to the altar. Bring it up front. No one's going to pick on you and laugh at you. And You're not too old and you're not too young. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the people here today. Thank you for the visit, the relatives. Lord, it made me so happy to see Teresa have so much joy when her mom and dad came. Thank you for our visitors here today, but thank you more for the cross. Thank you for your willingness to take all of our bad things, all of our bad things, and put them to death so we can have life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, Joel. Amen. Church.